Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And a train's coming. Do you, does it ever cross your mind just to like jump in front of the train? <laughs> yes, my child. Exorcism is booming at the moment. Yeah. Like last oh, year yeah. it was fidget spinners. This year it's the <laughs> ancient ritual of exorcism. Start spreading the news. All this sort of crazy. There was big money involved. I thought I could win a big pot of cash. It spit on the Bible and, yeah. you know, God, is, God sucks and way. Hello, you're listening to the award-winning Weird Tales and the Unexplainable. Uh, this is Bob Shoy, and with me, as usual, my good friend, Beef. Hey, you're right. And uh, this week, notice, uh, but we have uh, hopefully a worthwhile replacement for him. Oh, he's a better replacement than Dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we have the um, author and podcaster and reverend. <laughs> yes, my child. <laughs> As well as many other things, yeah. uh, Peter Laws. Yeah, hello. It's uh, good to be with you. Yeah. Very pleased to have you with us. We um, we spoke to you ages ago about trying to organise this, and then mm. things got in the way, and you know we got new jobs and moved around. Yeah, uh, I can't remember when we first I first met you. Was I speaking at a conference? Uh, me and Tiss went to. Uh, it was I think it was in Reading. I don't know. Why I'm looking at you. You wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. <laughs> but I was yes, away. I was at, like away. a really kind of small, pokey hotel. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Does God believe in ghosts? That's what <laughs> yeah. I was talking. Because um, yeah. that was during, the title of your seminar. I think it was, yeah. But you guys weren't able to be there because you were only be there like one. Yeah, we had yeah. to leave like Part super early and then we got yeah. stuck in traffic so we might as well have not left anyway. Gotcha. So it was oh, really yes. annoying. It's all flooding back now. <laughs> yeah, we saw like the first three talks then had to leave, which Fair was annoying because there was some really good stuff later <laughs> in the day. But yeah, that was like a few years ago. At the beginning of the day, I think I was sat like next to you. Yeah, so we I got chatting that. about like podcasting and stuff. Yep. Um, and now we're here. Yeah. Like two years later. So you were nice and quick. Oh, it's like it's nice meant to efficient. be. Yeah. <laughs> Written in the stars. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, a couple of years ago now, um, episode, I'm going to get the number exact because that's what I like to do. Oh. Episode number 41. Sure. Uh, we had Dan along with us. Mm. Do you remember that? Yeah, it was a great episode. And we talked about fear as like one of our discussion episodes. And um, seeing as Peter's written a book all about like, what frightens us? Uh, the frighteners available now. Yeah, go for you. Um, <laughs> the yeah. So we thought it'd be interesting to revisit that that kind of topic, and because mm. um, Peter knows a lot more about it than us. Yeah, I mean, so just to kind of give you an idea, we we spoke to uh, a good friend of mine, Dan, who's 
at, he was at the same church as, as me. Uh, they've now planted another church in Gloucester. Um, so if you've, if you're new to the pod or you've, you've only listened to a few episodes here and there, as mm. a few of you do, then please, uh, go back to episode 41 and listen to our episode on fear. But we talked about the philosophy of fear and what we're scared of and, um, a whole bunch of other stuff. It was a good, good show. It was really fun. We spent a long time talking about phobias, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Just went on that tangent. Do you have any phobias? You don't I, have I don't have any full on phobias. I mean, I certainly have things that scare me more than others. Mm. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't say I have a full on actual phobia. I know C.S. Lewis had a phobia of, um, insects when he was Ooh, a kid. Yeah. And he used I to be it. really, yeah, he used to be like really freaked out by like locusts and those sorts of things. He kind of described them as being horrible kind of demonic monsters. And for him, he said that that was, something that really spilled over into this sort of the phobia uh, that was it was just a horrible experience for him right i kind of share the that sense like insects particularly mm-hmm. i find mm-hmm. them really quite distressing i'm not feeling <laughs> yeah. insects fun. myself no i think uh, yeah i've said on the pod a few times uh, spiders for me and i, I wouldn't Classic. say i'm absolutely terrified of them i just yeah. don't like them and, and i think your wife said that you like get all I have to Squeamish name them. If I name the them, house. then they're all right. Yeah. My wife last night, right? She, well, this morning she woke up and said, did you know about the drama last night? I was like, what drama? And she said, uh, she reached over in the middle of the night and she picked up a glass of water to drink, like, you know, almost a blind drink it because it was pitch black. Oh. And the daddy long legs had fallen inside it and oh. she went inside her mouth. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> so she's speak, uh, spitting it all out. And then this morning she woke up telling me that what had happened and she looked for the dead body of the daddy long legs. Could be found <laughs> and found a little piece of uh, paper foil that had fallen in. Oh, okay. so that's her brain had better, filled in the gaps. Anything when it's dark like that, the things your brain does fill in the gaps it with are scary. Recently, yeah. yeah, because do you even like put your feet at the bottom of the covers, or is that an issue for you? Because a lot of people won't have their feet at the bottom exposed in case something like. No, I used it. to when <laughs> I was a kid. Essentially, touch um, your feet. Then we were <laughs> we were talking earlier about um, films we watched when we were kids. Yeah, and I remember watching. We did like a horror movie marathon all night, and mm. then I was absolutely petrified to have anything outside of the duvet. So yeah. just my head outside, and yeah. even that was quite scary. I'm like, well, something might pull me under the bed and and eat me. <laughs> well, it's just the I've, darkness. Isn't I it? find that I will do things though that will try and accentuate the fear and kind of play around with the fear. Right. So it might be an example like uh, I, I know one weekend we had a rat problem in our last house, right. and um, right. we weren't sure how many rats we had in this this problem but there was we were waking up in the morning and we were finding like loaves of bread were being were vanishing and they were being dragged behind the uh, right. the fridge was it a poltergeist or was it a rat we didn't know so it turned out it was a rat it was at least one rat and um, disappointment at least one yeah, it turns yeah. out it was a poltergeist it was a very hungry rat <laughs> yes um, and so my wife like went away for the weekend took the kids away because apparently it's not very healthy because my one of my kids had sort of uh, chicken pox at the time yeah. apparently that's not a good ah. combo um yeah. But for the weekend that I knew that there was rats in the house and I don't really like rats, I thought, well, this is the perfect weekend to sit in almost in the near dark and read the rats in the walls by HP Lovecraft. <laughs> really yeah. accentuating. Yeah. yeah. So I just thought, oh, cool. Like I, the, the atmosphere will be even better. I remember when I, when I was a kid and I would read Stephen King novels yeah. or HP mm. Lovecraft or whatever. And I would tend to sit up on my windowsill and keep the window open and, and set and switch all the lights off so I could only read it by the, the street lamp or watching horror films where I'd go, if I deliberately open the back door, 
if it's a film about a killer or something, if I keep the back door open throughout this <laughs> wow. film, it will give that added little free so much He's making it like four-dimensional. Yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. Like 4DX <laughs> cinema for cheap. <laughs> 4D um, before it's time. Yeah. But <laughs> that's, that's, that's playing with like fears in a, yeah. in a playful yeah. and way which you're in control of. You know, you can shut the door. And that's what I find interesting about fear or the morbid or the macabre. That's it. That it's, it's something that actually you can come, you can utilize and get, get power over it. So that's what mm. I like doing. Um, that doesn't mean then that I would actually like to be attacked by a, no. a real killer in my house. No. It's completely different. And I also wouldn't necessarily like to be covered in rats for real. But that area in between where it's a possibility but probably won't happen. <laughs> yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. I find that exciting. It's fearful, I, but it's exciting. I think I get that. I think I, I remember watching um, – we were away. We used, we used to go away as a whole family with my grandparents and aunts and uncles and – um, usually down to like an old country house in Devon or Cornwall or something like that. And, uh, I remember watching, staying up one night and watching TV and, and, uh, Misery was on. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. and I did, had no idea what it was. No idea it was an adaption of one of the most famous horror books in the world. Um, and I guess because the setting for that is very isolated, mm. um, the house is away from everything. I was watching it. I suddenly became very aware. I'm isolated. This house is away from, you know, it felt so real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is kind of a scary movie because, mm. um, the actress's name, Kathy Bates, Kathy Bates. Um, she does such a great job of playing that character. It's, it is a scary movie, but it, it, yeah. it was more fun, I guess, because like you say, you kind of have the power to control that fear a little bit and keep it. Yeah teetering on the edge a bit and it's interesting that a lot of people would like modify things to like lessen the fear like yeah, they'll turn the, the light open on open the curtains yeah something like that but yeah, watch you're, doing the com- you're doing the complete opposite you're like <laughs> yeah. exacerbating the fear you want it yes definitely like and, you're a and fear so, junkie and, yeah and it's like turn, the, turn the, 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 the volume up just slightly too loud yeah yeah so that when the big jump scares kick in it will give you a fright um, but yeah but but the interesting thing is, even though I am, I am, I'm a fear junkie, but only in a very soft way, because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not a kind of extreme sports type of guy. I wouldn't mm-hmm. jump out of an aeroplane. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't sort of do a bungee jump, that sort of stuff. I'm more about like the kind of psychological adventure of fear. That's what I tend to like. Um, but I did a, I, I learned a bit about fear last, was it last year when I, I did this thing with the BBC, this documentary about meet the humans and about why people, um, are drawn to fear. And me and a bunch of other people were kind of, blind driven to this uh, old spooky mansion in the middle of nowhere wow. where we were greeted by this like one-eyed butler and a witch <laughs> and they took us into this thing and there's like cameras all over the place and um they basically uh, exposed us to kind of scary situations throughout the the weekend and we'd we'd had kind of psych- psychological evaluation beforehand quite intensive evaluation where they were asking us what things you're scared of and i'd said i'm scared of well, pretty scared of insects and those sorts of things. And so they did kind of design bespoke things for us to be scared of. But the insect thing was interesting because I, we had dinner on the evening. We'd had all sorts of crazy things happening. We had dinner on this evening and they, the, all the dinner was normal. I thought it was going to be like, you know, Bush took a trial yeah, style. You know, I was waiting for you to say something. Yeah. Give you and I assumed that's what it would be. And they came out at the end and they brought out, you know, I don't know what you call them, those big sort of silver covers that you put over oh, dessert. Oh, right. It's got a proper name. I don't know. I don't know what they're called. And um, you have to look that up. <laughs> and uh, they put that in the middle and I thought, oh, here we go. We're going to have to, you know, eat a bull's testicle or something. <laughs> um, and they pulled that off and uh, it was filled with spiders and all these spiders ran across the table and kind of leapt leapt upon us you know mm-hmm. um, and it was really fascinating because I am I am scared of these sorts of things but there was another there was a woman there 
um, a horror mm. writer, like writes for um, magazines and stuff. And she is the most extreme person when it comes to enjoying horror and, and scare experiences. And she's done some crazy stuff, but she was, I've never seen anyone as petrified because she is, has your, she has a proper phobia of spiders. Right. Wow. She was in the corner shaking to such an extent she couldn't move anymore. And what re- what happened was like, as soon as there was someone else in the room who was worse than me, that filled me with courage. And I just thought, okay, so I'm not the most fearful person. And so her fear prompted me to go up and try and grab one of these spiders, which I wouldn't normally do. And so there is, it can depend on who you're with. That's really interesting. The levels yeah. of fear you have. And so if you're, if you're frightened of something, you kind of try and hang out with someone who's more frightened than you are, and mm. it will boost your courage. Well, I find that if you watch a horror film of someone else, I just presume that everyone's braver than me. Yeah, pretty much. Ah, okay. So when I watch it with some, with some anything, play a video game with someone else in the room, watch a film with someone else in the mm. room, if they're getting scared, I'm like, well, Mr. Brave is getting scared, but I'm all right here, sort of thing. Yeah, and it makes yeah. me feel sort of more confident. Definitely. Yeah. If I watch yeah. a horror film on my own, I could get freaked out. If I watch it with like Becca, mm. it's all right, because I know she's going to be scared as well. It goes the other way. Yeah. I know she's going to be scared. So mm. I'm like... Don't worry, darling. Well, I remember I'm telling here. you uh, when I played The Last of Us right, yeah. five years ago. Oh, The Last of Us, yeah, it's a good game. Oh, man, my favourite game of yeah. all time. It was a great game. Um, but I, I remember pretty much the scariest part of that game when you're kind of creeping around in the hotel trying mm-hmm. to find your way out um, and you're not with Ellie. She's She's been trapped yeah, somewhere yeah, else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was it's really, really scared. It's horrible. It's a really horrible part of the game because you're plunged into darkness. You've got the... Uh, the zombies running around and you can hear them and you can't, you know, where they are. Yeah, there's no light. You've got to get the generator yeah. going because you can't like, oh, see Oh, great. The generator's going to make yeah. noise and light and attract them. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. This is going to be awful. Mm. Um, but Rachel then came in and she's like, oh, this is horrible. Like, yeah, you need to stay. Stay here. <laughs> <laughs> and because she was a little bit scared, yeah. I kind of like, right, I'm going to do this. Yeah. I'm going yeah. to show I can do this. Yeah. Watch this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're dead right. That, that's a very important part of, of fear and overcoming fear is having a kind of community around you. And also what how, how much fear can affect you when you are by yourself. Is I, I certainly learned that when I was writing this Frighteners book because throughout this book, I was having loads of kind of scary experiences, you could say, but most of them um, involved other people or, you know, it was me going get alongside other people who love frightening things. So that I found I was really quite bold during those things. Mm-hmm. But we did I did do one thing where I had to stay over in this kind of haunted hotel and we were creeping around in the so there was for a chapter on paranormal interest and um i went to bed that night and i stayed in a i didn't realize i was in a room underneath where some woman had cut her throat in the bath and at night time the i'd been so kind of charged all night by these ghostly stories when i was with everybody else i was like yeah let's go in the tunnel let's mm-hmm. go and creep around and the yeah. second i was by myself the whole scenario changed because i was lying in bed thinking crap what what happens if i see something like how am i going to decide what's happening you know uh, mm. if i see a shadow in the corner or something speaks to me um if i'm with another person i'm bold because i can say beef is that do you see that and you say <laughs> yes and i go yeah. oh cool i'm not crazy or if yeah. you say no it's just a thing and then like oh i'm misunderstanding i'm misinterpreting but the second you're by yourself particularly in a paranormal situation mm. you it's it complicates everything and it means that your your sanity is in question so actually being by yourself is is an amazingly potent opportunity to feel proper fear yeah. um, I certainly found that and and I stayed over in a kind of 
I wasn't allowed to talk about it in the book because it turned out there was a media embargo on this particular place, so I couldn't do it. But uh-huh. I stayed over. It was still fun. Yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty fun. But I stayed over in this very kind of haunted, notorious place for mm-hmm. satanic worship, and I was there. And um, I was crapping myself, <laughs> like because yeah. I was there at like one in the morning by myself in the middle of nowhere, and I was like, man, I am actually this is fear I'm not enjoying. Mm-hmm. So I suppose that's what I mean about when I say I need fear but to certain levels. Mm. And then when it slips over into I'm not in control anymore, it becomes real fear with a capital F. Mm. But I still look back on the real fear with great nostalgia. I still go, that was a cool experience. Yeah. I'm yeah, glad I had that. I think, um, I think you're talking about community is really interesting. Mm. Um, and I certainly level with you with the, you know, we want to talk to you about demonology and, and exorcisms oh, yeah. and all kind of stuff. And um, I think, there have been times where I've been with other people um, and maybe there's been some kind of demonic activity going on. And when you're with other people, you gain that strength from each other. And mm. I think you, that's when the, the power of a fear kind of comes in. Um, but there have been occasions where I've been on my own and experienced something incredibly unsettling. And I would, I would label it as like a demonic yeah. presence almost. Um, so, so yeah, that's, it's, it is, it is potent. Right? Uh, that word that you use is uh, yeah. very apt. Yeah. Yeah, community yeah, definitely. Community can be strong. Yeah. And I suppose it could work the opposite way where community can also in- increase fear when fear shouldn't be present. You know, you can have a situation where, um, I don't know, you could, you could be, you could be in a situation with a group of people where everything is really quite okay. Um, and yet when people start being frightened and overly frightened, it has a ripple effect and it causes panic. And that's mm-hmm. why people stumble over each other and break each other's necks when they're trying to get out of stadiums or whatever. Yeah. There's yeah. panic issues. And so, and if, but if you were on your own, you could have a more level head. So it can work both ways. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. Do you find yourself cool under pressure, Beef? Like something scary happens with a group of people, or are you going to start? Everyone panic, everyone like get out of it, or are you like... Okay, no, I feel like I'm calm. pretty... I think I'm pretty calm. I think because of the nature of my job, mm. um, where it is quite un- unpredictable. I'm working with people who, um, you know, with students who have all sorts of behavioural difficulties. So my days are pretty unpredictable anyway. Mm-hmm. But it depends on the, the nature. I think when I remember being in a car crash um, and... Oof. It was such a weird, surreal experience. I remember it, I really did feel like time had basically stopped as it was happening. And I was able to basically plan what I was going to do. Mm. Um, and it worked out that for that moment, um, I was then able to help my friend who she was in a mess, in an absolute mess. I mean, obviously her car was, was pretty wrecked, but apart from that, she was, you know, just completely inconsolable. So yeah. I was able to then kind of help her out. Um, so yeah, I guess. In that mm. situation, yes, but uh, not every time. I think it depends on the situation. I think um, so. For Father's Day this year, um, my my dad had built a soapbox, and we were doing the soapbox derby in in Ellsbury. Um, <laughs> oh wow! It was it was great That's fun. Like it was really good. Like a fifties, uh, yeah, yeah like American movie. That's yeah, cool. I know. It was it was it was cool. It was really good. But my dad had asked me and my brother to drive, and and I said, yeah, that sounds really fun. Yeah. I said, that's that's great. Um, and then I went, you know, we, we went home and I was talking to, to Rachel about it. She's like, wow, are you gonna, are you gonna do that? I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? It sounds fun. She went, what if you fall out? And I went, oh God, I might fall out. And then I got really scared. <laughs> I got really worried about it. And were you scared of the implications of how it would affect your life? Oh no, I've broken my wrist. I'll, I'll struggle with work or something. Or were you just thinking of the pure immediate? 
Or the embarrassment of someone. Or the, the embarrassment. It was the because <laughs> it was, it was yeah. because there were kids there doing, you know, riding theirs, and I thought, mm. man, if I, I'd also, I think, I was very aware of how much time my dad had spent building it and putting right. it together, and all the I love and energy, it. and and I thought, oh, I don't want to break it. But funnily enough, right, even the, the embarrassment that a person can feel in a social situation can actually help them feel more focused. Sorry, less focused, and therefore they don't feel fear as much. I, I mm. at this BBC thing I did, um, there was one point where we did this experiment where i was in we all were kind of told one by one to go into this spooky old victorian bathroom where all these candles everywhere and all these weird like uh, mess like puzzles uh, victorian gothic type puzzles we had to solve and we all went in one by one um and most of us solved the puzzles fairly well but then at the end of the puzzles there they there was a jump scare where this kind of freaky ghost came out of the mirror right and the ones who solved the puzzles well included myself jumped and yet the two people who didn't jump were the people who didn't solve the puzzles well and the conclusion was because they were so kind of preoccupied about crap i I, I, do i look stupid i I messed up these Mm. things that actually when it came to a fear situation they didn't flinch in the same way as we did because they were too too caught up in the other emotions so sometimes you'll feel fear more when you have the brain space to focus on it yeah, that's true. Oh, one of them jump scare videos that you love so much are um, <laughs> yeah that are so successful because you're focusing, waiting for something to happen. Yeah, they're distracting you, and then when exactly. your brain is focused, jump exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, the other side of that, one time I was in Amsterdam <laughs> at the Amsterdam Dungeons, right? Um, Obviously, and um, two of us of, of the world people, you, you have a guided tour. Is that a brothel or is that an actual? No, I'm just checking. That's not the London Dungeons. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, but two of us, um, let's say, were intoxicated, and everyone else wasn't. Mm-hmm. I, I'll say two of them were intoxicated, and everyone else wasn't. <laughs> right. And um, there was this big jump scare at the end of this like yeah. tunnel thing that was all walking through. But everyone else like screamed, and the two people who were just like distant, intoxicated, were just like didn't didn't nothing nothing yeah. faced them. They were just like staring in space. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's about brain engagement. Mm. Yeah, fear, like, Yeah, and that. the Dutch courage idea of having drink. It's just is yeah. it is yeah. purely because it's you're not like concentrating yeah. as hard on what could go wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess maybe on the other hand, concentrating or having an idea of the bigger picture can can maybe also help you grapple that as well. Because uh, I yeah, I yes. did a um, I did an escape room. Uh, it, near Milton Keynes, which was mm-hmm. brilliant. You had to escape from a serial killer's. Oh, it was great. Really, really good. <laughs> wow. Theming was really good fun. That's great. Um, but part way through, you get like jump scare stuff happening. I won't tell you exactly what because sure. it's a spoiler. Um, and so I was with seven other guys, and all of them, apart from me and this other guy, uh, pooed their pants. Um, right. But the guy, me and my <laughs> friend, were trying to put this puzzle together and work something out. And I guess because we were so involved in that. He hadn't even heard that there'd been something happen. Right. Right? I, was, I was like, oh, it's all right, chill out. It's fine. We need to come on back here. Let's <laughs> yeah. get this sorted. But, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think pit is, yeah, fear is such a powerful, powerful thing. But yeah. It's, um, yeah, I think this is what we're talking about with Dan as well. Just, yeah. It's, it's, it's such a vast topic. That's why we, that's why yeah. we've done two episodes on it now. Have you, have you played, um, uh, any VR horror? I haven't. I don't. I don't have like. I don't have the metal to handle it. <laughs> oh, okay, because that is surprisingly immersive, and again, yeah. it cuts out all the distractions. And so I was playing Resident Evil 
Biohazard last night. Which is scary enough without... T- yeah, but man, when you're in the whole zone... and You, you t- did that in VR. Yes, yes, yes I was it. playing that last night. You can only play it for so long before you want to like puke up, so you, you have to take yeah, it yeah. in spurts. Oh, but that nice. is... It's amazingly effective, uh, especially when mm. you're kind of just turning around and then there's some sort of crazy woman in yeah. your face like stabbing your knees. Yeah, because there's <laughs> oh, some really shocking stuff that happens in that game. Yeah. And it was kind of when I played it, because it was in first person as well, you're kind of like, oh, I can't believe that happened in a game. Like, I was shocked and, like, scared or whatever. Yeah. Actually, in VR, you would really feel like that's happening yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah and you're I leaning down it. and you're going, I think she's right there. And you're leaning over and, and actually looking no. through the windows. And you slow down to look at the environment because you're actually feeling you're in it. Oh, no. And that's the interesting thing about VR and, and horror VR. You, you kind of remember playing those games as if it was a place you were visiting rather yeah. than a game you were playing, which is actually pretty incredible. Mm. But the technology needs kind of... Sorting out in terms of stopping you throwing up all the time. Yeah, yeah I, I love yeah, the idea of VR horror. Yeah, but I just don't think I could do it. I and think I feel like as soon as I put it on, I'm like, no, 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 never again, never yeah. again. I think after watching you play PT mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, um, that was pretty scary. I, I hated it. <laughs> so I thought, well, I can't. And I, I remember playing Silent, the first Silent Hill. Yeah. And that was pretty scary uh, yes. to me as a, I don't know, I guess I would have been I, That really 10. scared me when that came out. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. quite young. Could have been young. Um, but I'd never played anything like that before. And it was actually, for a PS1 game, well, it was really first, atmospheric, was first it? horror game that really played in the psycholog- psychological aspects of yeah, horror. Absolutely. Rather yeah, than just like something scary. Yeah, exactly. But the imagery was also pretty scary too. But the, uh, but yeah, PT was too, <laughs> I think I'm not, Jump scares are not my thing. No. I just struggle with them. Me neither, really. It's, um, yeah, roller coaster's fine. No, I've, I've do done it. a skydive. That's fine. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah, so I'm not as into that stuff. Hero. But I can't, but I, would, I wouldn't be able to do a bungee. No? No. Because when you're in a plane, you're it was attached too to something high. on that. Yeah, but I was too high to comprehend, you know, you're just about oh, to jump out. Like, it yeah. looks like a map. It's so wow. high. Do you hear um, about that company who got in trouble because whenever people were, they were doing bungee jumps and just as your foot left the platform, they would shout, no, not yet! Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! He's not tight! <laughs> You'd just be dropping current. Oh, crap. Yeah, yeah oh, that's, that's, that's not fair, is it? Yeah, yeah, that's a bit too intense. But then when yeah. you live, think of the amazing feeling. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and this actually, yeah, I mean, nice nice segue. Uh, this is actually, yeah, one of the interesting things because, of, of course, uh, you know, when you feel fear and, and, and have scary experiences, you do feel alive because you have... You've triumphed over mm-hmm. them, and that's and that's the same thing as when you're watching a horror film. Even when you're watching a horror film where, like, uh, you know, so, somebody's getting chased in, down an alley and getting attacked, and at the end, everyone's dead, and there's one person surviving. You, as the viewer, you're sitting there, and you're actually sort of feeling you're so immersed in the film for two hours, you come out feeling like you were also a survivor as well. Mm. And particularly if the people who are dying on screen are of your same demographic. This is one of the interesting things about the audiences for horror films and other films that have death in them, uh, is that they often match the the demographic of the the person who are dying in the film. So the the people who tend to go and see war movies uh, are young men, Mm -hmm. uh, to watch young men getting shot. The people who go and see um, horror films like slasher movies where women are getting chased through the woods, there's a high proportion of women who like yeah, to watch that yeah. stuff. And it's because we actually, we do actually quite enjoy seeing people like ourselves in, in utter peril and mm. even getting killed. Because at the end, we're the ones who walk out and we say, well, we're alive. Yeah. And that's actually quite mm. a satisfying experience. Mm. Yeah. And that's right. I haven't really thought about that before. That makes complete sense though. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I know you're like, uh, we're going to keep going back to horror films. 
And Peter, I know you're like a big like horror film sort of fan. Yeah, I like horror films. Yeah, yeah. I'm a bit of a. See, I like them, junkie. but I don't watch enough of them. Um, and I never I know I need which to find ones to more watch. that I like. Yeah, that's because the most of them now are so lazy. Well, they feel lazy. Like ones being made. There's some good ones see, now, though. Mm, well, I, I feel like maybe the proportion, maybe more a low, quite low budget, and so well, because it's, of that, it's a cheap genre to make. Yeah. Yeah, yeah camp. That's what I mean. Yeah. Um, however, um, I would really like to see. This is where you can kind of. This would be so suave if it was like perfectly um, edited. But right, okay. the 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 movie with John Krasinski. Oh, um, Quiet Place. Quiet Place. That's the one. Oh yeah. Did you see? Did you I have not seen. I've not seen it. But I think to me, I that- thought it was overrated. Personally. Oh really? It's really? okay. It's okay. But there is a there is a lot. If if you sit and think about a film logically, there is a heck of a lot of plot holes in it but right, it was I, mean, I, yeah. I enjoyed watching it but I just think so many people were saying it was like an absolute masterpiece yeah I wonder if it's, it's whenever it's something more uh, I guess slightly more original um, and I'm and I was thinking you're talking about demographics that yeah. idea although I'm not into horror movies I was thinking I might go see that because it's about a guy with young kids and yeah. so I guess maybe now the mm-hmm. fear for me is anything happening to my son so I guess that idea of Huh, that looks oh, more yeah. scary. It's, yeah, it's amazing how your demographic, when it changes, it, that can affect how disturbed you'll be of things. And it, I mean, I guess it makes sense. But like, I, I, for example, I remember before I had children. And um, if you listen to this, by the way, out there and you don't have kids, you don't have to have kids to be care, to care about kids. <laughs> but I remember that for me, I, I, I always used to think horror films and thrillers like were copping out when they didn't let kids get killed in films. Right, yeah. Because it'd be like, oh, here we go. Of course the, the kid's, kid's going to escape. Yeah. 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 Or yeah. like if the, if the kid's dead body is in the woods, they'll lift up the sheet, but you won't actually see it, but you'll see all the adults. And I was thinking, this is unfair. This is prejudice, <laughs> yeah. blah, blah, blah. Um, and then we had a, we had a kid. And I remember on the day we got back from the hospital, me and my wife thought, oh, should we watch a film, you know, to kind of like, yeah, like chill us out. And mm-hmm. we watched, oh, that Ben Affleck thriller is supposed to be good called Gone Baby Gone. Let's watch mm-hmm. that. So we watched that, which is this really depressing film about a kid being kidnapped or whatever. Right. And we were watching it and I was like, I am so emotionally moved by this. It's, it's yeah. just, I don't actually want to watch this anymore. Yeah. And I was like, the only thing that's changed is because I happen to have like my own kid yeah. in the house now. And so, yeah, you're right. It, it, mm. It's amazing how, like, depending on what your life is, you know, you will be both drawn to things that will freak you out about it, but also they, they are much more potent in terms of depressing and disturbing you. Mm. Yeah, I think um, I think you're right. When you started talking about that, I didn't know if you were going to talk about, um, I think it's just called Clown. Oh, I don't know that. Um, clown. It's either the clown or just clown. Right. Um, and the premise of the film is... Is there a killer clown? Well, kind of, kind of. Um, is a, is a, is a dad who adopts this clown persona for, um, for his kid's birthday party. Right. And he can't get the mask off after, after he ends up becoming this killer clown. Right. But the movie, the, what made it scary, I've not seen it, but what apparently made it scary to the people that told me about it, um, were the facts that he was killing kids and eating children in this film. Ooh. Yeah, it's horrible, <laughs> Yeah, right? yeah. But again, you can't it crosses a boundary that... You can't get a mask makes that... you a cannibal. <laughs> mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Me, well, I'm, I'm claustrophobic, so they are, well, I'm restricted claustrophobia. So if I can't oh, okay. get something off, that's a panic to me. So yeah, I probably would start eating people if I couldn't get Yeah, them. wow. Man, don't ever wear a mask. <laughs> yeah. Or like when you get a jumper stuck on, on your head, isn't that? Yeah, that's real panic stations for me. Like you get your arm caught in a jumper trying to get it off. Yeah. Game over. 
Yeah. yeah. But I suppose like people sometimes ask me like, well, what's the scariest horror film you've ever seen? And I can yeah. I can list films that are scary. But I tend to find there's there's a common thread in films that I find affecting and disturbing and it tends to be ones where the main character you can't tell if the events are in their head or if it's oh, real okay, that's right. a recurring theme for me i, I find mm. um there's a roman polanski movie called repulsion which i think is a, a brilliantly scary film but that's just about a woman who's gradually going insane and seeing weird hands coming out the wall or is she is she actually experiencing some sort of yeah. demonic attack you just don't know well a massive fear for mm. for yourself is like sometimes you think am, am i going mad mind. am i going mad yeah and that's terrifying feeling. If anyone's ever had that, like, mm. you feel like you're going insane. Mm. Yeah. That's mm. terrifying. So the idea that you could be, or watching someone else go through that, you can relate. Mm. And it's like, the idea of losing your mind is just the most terrifying feeling. I yeah, think. it is. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I, I once, I used to be a youth worker before I was a youth pa- uh, before I was a pastor pastor. I was a youth pastor. And I remember one night we having this kind of like youth sleepover thing and we were all like sort of, at the church doing this kind of all night with games and stuff. And then at one point we were just sitting down talking. And for some reason we started talking about like what weird things we think about when we're out and about. And it was really interesting because I, I just kind of was happy to admit, I said, Oh, like, does anyone else, you know, if you're near a railway line and a train's coming, do you, does it ever cross your mind just to like jump in front of the train? And a few of the people were like, Yes. And another person says, well, sometimes when I'm, you know, in a, in a high building, I feel like I'm going to jump off. Um, or the, or if I'm in a, an exam, you know, I feel like I want to get up on the table and scream and do crazy things. Um, and what had happened was when we talked about this, these guys were saying, but I've always thought that was a sign that I was potentially either insane mm. or because the Christian context, I was thinking that that was some sort of demonic attack. Yeah. Right, yeah. And, and that gave it much more weight. And so they were, basically they were thinking, crap, am I, am I, am I actually suicidal? Do I want to kill myself? And I just think that's just, our brains have, are filled with images and sometimes they come up with interesting things. Yeah. And I think it's perfectly natural to sort of just be, to be driving along and you just might cure the thought might cross your mind. I suppose if I wanted to, I could drive this car straight into that other car. Yeah. That's interesting, I suppose, but I would never ever do yeah, it. I have no, the power I do that to do that. Time. Yeah. Like have this massive disruption on this yeah. part of the world. Yeah. yeah. It could change someone's life completely yeah. and you would never do it. I mean, the second you do it, that's when it becomes problematic, yes. obviously. Yes. But, um, but what I find really interesting and, and kind of worrying is that there's a lot of people, particularly in the Christian church out there, who just sometimes have these random dark thoughts. And yet they're living in a kind of environment in which they're told, well, look, that you are under some sort of demonic yeah. oppression. Um, or you simply. You've got a demon. So, yeah, you've got a demon. <laughs> or you, yeah. you, you're probably, you probably are suicidal for thinking that. Mm. And nobody says that out loud. Nobody says, oh, well, I sometimes think about that. So yeah. I found a big liberation in sitting with other people and saying, what freaky things do you think about? Mm. It's yeah. amazing what other people will say and they'll go, actually. And I interviewed some people for the, for the book, like, um, an, a literary agent who says, well, to be honest, sometimes like I'm in the I'm in the tube station. I just feel like getting my laptop and smacking it off someone's head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she I doesn't. It's yeah, yeah. It was that, absolutely. I, I I really um see that ma- makes me think of uh, the Dice Man, the book by. Oh um, yes, yeah, yeah. Is it Luke Reinhardt? Luke Reinhardt. Yeah. That's it. Thank you. Um, and I think it's the idea that actually our lives can sometimes be so mundane. And we often don't feel like we have the power over our own lives because yeah. we have to go to work to pay the bills to do this, blah, blah, blah. That eventually you're just like, I could just, you know. And I yeah. used to think um, I'd be waiting for a bus or something. And if an old person walked past, I was like, I could I could kick them in the road. Yeah. And then you're like, <laughs> I'm not obviously not going to. Yeah. But I could. 
And yeah. you think, you're like, oh, wow, what would happen if I actually did that? Yeah. And it's just your brain taking on a wild... Yeah. And I wonder if it's your brain just getting a bit bored yeah. and thinking... Yeah, well, your brain is notoriously interested in novel experiences. Yeah. Um, and that's why, you know, if you're in school and you're, it, it, the lessons are boring, but then if the teacher comes in, like, for little kids and he brings in, like, a skull of a rat or something mm. and they go look kids let's learn about rats people are like oh my word this is interesting because it's so novel so your brain is really hungry for novelty and um we actually live in a very peaceful society people seem to think we're getting worse and worse um but actually we're getting better and better in terms of levels of violence and level of education and all that stuff so we're, you could almost say we're living in a golden age even mm. though it might not seem like it so mm. the, so most of the people listening to this podcast they're probably not worried about getting stabbed in the street or getting attacked. Some might be, but most probably aren't. And therefore, these experiences of, of, of horror, death, and scary stuff are really novel. And so it's really not a surprise to find that as a culture, we are drawn to to explore these subjects because they are interesting mm-hmm. um, and, and they're novel. So therefore, your brain wants to know about them. Mm. So yeah. Have you always found yourself like interested in this stuff like your entire life? You've just like as a kid, you're into scary stuff. Or yeah, no? I think so. Um, but I suppose it's I kind of like it's helpful to point out that it's just part of my personality. Yeah, so yeah. you know, like I like growing up, growing up, I would love Night Rider and the Eight Team and all these kind of normal things. <laughs> um, I still I still like all that sort of stuff now. Science fiction. I'll happy watch a rom com. I don't. You know. I'm quite, yeah. yeah open-minded with the things but there was always something about horror and mystery that really drew me from stories of the paranormal and the unexplained um to just straight up scary films because i found that particularly for horror i found horror was the only genre that took the supernatural seriously whereas when i was growing up i mean I, even though i'm a kind of ordained minister now and stuff that that's not where i expected to be i, I want my early 20s is when I became a Christian, but up mm. until then I was really quite anti-religion and anti-Christianity. I was in a band for a while called Creatures of the Night. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was really hoping you'd be on Creatures of the Night. I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Creatures <laughs> of the Night. That was a crazy band. And, and I was singing songs. I was writing songs about, you know, the Bible, spit on the Bible and, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> God sucks. And, you know, and just wanting to push the boat out in terms of offensiveness. And, and there was, I remember at one point I found out that the local church had um, a Bible study group. And so, whereas me and my friends would go down in a classic kind of, I'm from the Northeast, I don't know if this is like what it's like anywhere else, but we'd go down the woods and like drink cooking sherry and do the <laughs> classic rites of passage stuff. Um, I, was, I guess that was normal up there. <laughs> you know, I think people do that down there yeah, as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess. Um, it's just fun. And so, but we would go out drinking, do those sorts of things. And then I would go, right, I know where this Christian Bible studies I'm just going to turn up really drunk and just walk in and they're probably going to be nice and let me in which they did and we'll just sit there and kind of rip into them about their faith and at some point I remember a couple of times I kind of left I'd deliberately pre-written some scary notes as if Mm -hmm. I was from a local cult who wanted to try and wipe out Christians and I just stuffed it down their sofas so that one day they would go oh my word we're we're marked it was ridiculous <laughs> this house is cursed yeah, yeah it was ridiculously <laughs> stupid stuff and it was bizarre because i was really quite a nice guy mm. unless a christian was in the room and it really antagonized me but even though christians were trying to get me to convert if you will um i never took them seriously but horror did something different horror told me that what happens if the supernatural is real 
What happens if there's such a thing as objective good and evil? What happens if there is something after death? Um, these sorts of questions are quite fundamental. Oh, and also reminded me that death was real. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. it's very easy when you're a teenager to act as if you're invincible. Mm. But then horror does this really helpful wisdom, <laughs> which says, oh, by the way, you can get, you get like punched by a guy in a, in a, in a nightclub and die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is pretty bleak. But it's actually but it quite helpful to yeah. know this. Mm. Um, and that a combination of those things and watching films like The Exorcist, Exorcist or whatever, actually were part of my spiritual awakening. Um, so right. I find that ironic that actually horror was my doorway into thinking spiritually. Whereas loads of Christians I know would say it's the, it's the thing that is trying to pluck people away from God. I found quite mm. the opposite. Mm. That's really interesting. I was, I was going to ask how you, how you became a Christian. Mm. Um, because I think, uh, maybe less and less now actually, but when, definitely when I was younger. Anyone that I knew that was a Christian was from a Christian family. Um, yeah. And actually now in my church, I'd say most of the people in my age group, um, that was not the case at all. A lot oh, of them grew up very similar to you having no interest in faith at all. Yeah. Um, so, so you, so, so was it kind of take us a bit more down that, that, um, story, if you wouldn't mind? How sure. did that then become from you to then deciding actually? So, this is now going to become my faith and now I'm going to yeah. commit my life to this. That's a good question. Um, I suppose when I was a, when I was uh, just starting at university, I'd had a couple of friends die in some not pleasant circumstances. Uh, and that kind of did make me think more about deeper questions, but I never really saw Christianity as an answer to those things. Mm. And so when I went to university, I remember I went to join the occult society because I thought, oh, cool. Well, I'll like learn about weird esoteric sort of like spiritual things that way. But on that day, it, it cost £10 to join the occult society. I only had £5. So <laughs> I joined the science fiction society instead. Um, and uh, so during that first term, I remember I was I wasn't really like a particularly kind of great with commitment with girls and all that sort of stuff. I was pretty kind of like a ladies man type person. And I was kind of had been. Um, and then one night I met this girl and I just really, really thought, flip her heck. She's like, I, I, she's amazing. I would go out with her. I would commit to mm. her, which might not sound like a big deal to some other people, but it was a big deal to me. And I asked her if she would maybe have a drink with me or whatever. And she said she wouldn't because I wasn't a Christian. And I was just, I can't believe it. I never heard anything so weird. <laughs> Um, but then I thought, well, you know, I'm asking some of these big questions and, uh, you know, she maybe she'd be interested in me if I turn up at their Christian union. So I did. So I just started going to this Christian union, um, and, uh, started ex- meeting Christians that I'd, I'd never really met proper Christians before. I'd only seen them on TV mm-hmm. and I was really shocked to find that could be intelligent or normal or funny. Um, and, uh, and then I, yeah, and then it was the whole, what well, was the Jesus thing that made the difference? It was just, it was discovering that there's this guy called Jesus who's really radically progressive, who I thought, man, I could base my life on him. But yeah, that, the doorway in many ways was just, was, was meeting this, this, this girl as a kind of, as a way in. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's really interesting. I think actually it's, um, I was talking to a friend the other day and he said that he, like, as a, he remembered being five and being all of a sudden just petrified of death. And thought right. there must be something after this. Like this can't just be it. Mm. This makes no sense. So he then just took himself off to church by himself. Yeah. His parents would drop him off. They weren't interested at all. Um, and so he had quite a similar um, gateway in that sense. Where you were talking earlier about being interested in and, and supernatural things um, being very real to you in a horror movie or or that genre taking that idea yeah. very um, seriously. 
Um, and, uh, I just wanted to talk about a little bit about, um, demonolo- demonology because, yeah, sure. um, my understanding is you're quite, you've, have you got a interest in that or is it just, well, I'm only interested in probably as much as anyone else is. I don't have any kind of qualification in it. Um, and, right. uh, I was once, I, it was an article about me in the daily star or something. And, um, it had like from Britain's leading exorcist. All like, oh, right, <laughs> right. Like I'm not even an exorcist, you know. So I really <laughs> don't ask because the Daily Star they're usually so so yeah so accurate yeah, yeah. exactly yeah I, I think can't it was, imagine it was, the Daily no. actually it's the Daily Sport <laughs> even, okay. even more highbrow. Um, but yeah, I uh, but no, I I don't really have experience in that sort of thing, um, and I'm not qualified in those sorts of things. Although as a ch- as a church minister, you do get called to bizarre situations, mm-hmm. and um, I have been called to a few things before. Um, and even now, I mean, even though I'm I'm mainly an author these days, so I speak at churches on Sundays, but I don't look after a congregation. But even now, I'll get I, I'm getting more and more emails from people who who are talking about this subject and having strange things happening mm. in their well, there's um, a shortage, isn't there? We read there was a shortage yeah. of exorcists. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah we were talking. Exorcism yeah. is booming at the moment. Yeah. Like last right. year, it was fidget spinners. This year, it's <laughs> the ancient ritual of exorcism. Wow. That everyone seems to be into. No, it's, um, it's really exploding. And there's yeah. some actually, I think there's some reasonably, reasonable sociological reasons why it is. But, uh, um, but if you're a kind of very hard, hardcore Christian, you might just say, because we're living in much more demonic right. times. <laughs> yeah. But actually, yeah. there's more kind of nuanced arguments as to why they're growing. Mm. Well, I've, I noticed in, in like horror films in recent years have been leaning way more on like on demons and exorcisms and stuff yeah. against. Well, mm. obviously, The Exorcist came out like, mm. years ago, but recently there's been like a, a new spate of them sort of like films revolving around demons. Yeah, and stuff. demons. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think um, maybe, um, and see that again, this was. Almost for me, my way in. I, I was brought up in a Christian family, but um, I remember being about fifteen and just reading the Bible, and I'm like, "Well, I'm not seeing any of this. Like, I don't see any of this. Mm-hmm. I don't see any miracles. I'm not seeing any healing. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing. I'm definitely not seeing demons. That's definitely not something I'm seeing. And then I, I experienced some stuff with a couple of friends. Okay, um, and he'd gone through a, a really traumatic family um, like circumstance. Um, and practically started like just calling like I don't know where he, I don't I can't remember the language he used but he basically started like calling on demonic forces right. to be a part of his life um, and then surprise okay. surprise like I would be talking to him and then like his eyes would just become white it's just little things like that that grab my Wait, attention did they, beca- did they become white in a kind of way that was beyond him just looking up high yeah yeah it yeah, was okay. and I remember being. Like you said earlier, I remember being on my own with him and thinking, I'm like, there's no one else here to verify this, but this is definitely happening. And yeah. he's not just rolled his eyes back. This is, mm. and this isn't him. He's not behaving like himself. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, so I, I think there's, there's something very real about it. And I mm. wonder whether maybe people are just experiencing stuff like well, that. Well, yeah, there more, was that argument know. that, and, and I interviewed, um, a guy called Alan Murdy, who is, uh, the chairman of the Ghost Club, but, is, has an interest in sort of the occult and things like that um, and occult crimes and that sort of thing. And I was, was you talked to him about like, I was thinking I was trying to work out the sociology of kind of paranormal interest. Why are we having this boom in paranormal mm-hmm. interest in now? And I was coming up with all these theories, which many of which are valid, you know, that were, you know, living in a kind of post-Christian age and um, the paranormal interest that offers a really great religious 
expression for people today which is it's exploring the supernatural but it's using science to kind of get uh, real world results it's kind of similar to this sort of victorian spiritualism which yeah. is like a boom today all these different interesting things and he said these are all interesting topics he says true but loads of the people he meets have got no interest in this subject but then something happens to them and they right. start getting interested because they're trying to explain it and I've had that experience where I just talk to the people in my own town and they'll say, I'm not interested into this stuff, but something happened to me last night. Something happened here. Something happened there. So I find this stuff really intriguing. I do have a kind of cynicism about it um, because so often people will describe things that you'll go, oh, you know, you saw a figure at the end of your bed when right, you were sleeping. Yeah. Come on. That's probably a, like sort of hypnagogic hallucination quite potentially. Yeah. But or a every dream now, carrying on. Or a dream or carrying on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or I went on a ghost walk once where they said, oh, this house is haunted because they kept losing their keys and the poltergeist was hiding. I was like, oh, come on. So, Cheeky poltergeist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I got, get cynical. But every now and again, a story comes along and you're going, oh, that's 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 maybe hard to, it's harder to explain. Yeah. And this is the, the irony thing comes in because I find that scary, but I also find it very attractive to want to witness. So yes. the stuff that you're, when you describe that thing about that guy mm. and mm. the eyes and stuff, I would find that very disturbing. But if you told me that you knew where he was tonight and you could drive me to his house so I could witness it, I'd say, we're going now. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. to see this is to boost faith, I think. Mm. But but often examples of the supernatural you could explain in some other way. But if, but if, if I see some dude levitating or he has some sort of like hidden knowledge. And this is one of the interesting things about exorcism. You know, you've got some of the marks of, of whether or not a person's really ex, uh, possessed. And so much of it can be fate. Mm -hmm. um, oh, they've got an aversion to religious symbols. <laughs> All right. Oh, they're swearing. <laughs> so or they, they've learned a bit of Aramaic off the internet or something. You know, yeah. right, yeah. these things can be faked. Mm. But, it can, but there are things like the eye thing. I suppose it's possible I could be faked, but that's harder to mm. fake. Levitation. You can't really fake that mm -hmm. unless you're kind of a magician. Mm. Um, and then there's this other creepy thing about sort of forbidden knowledge where an exorcist might come in and they'll sit down with a person and they've never met them before. And the person will be saying like, I know why your sister killed herself in 1977. Yeah. And you'd be like, crap, nobody knows about that. That stuff mm. gives me shivers. Well, forbidden knowledge is always, you, know, you said you're a Lovecraft fan. And, well, yeah, yeah, uh, yes. Forbidden yeah. knowledge is, exactly. is Lovecraft. Yeah. 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 But of course, then you could just say, you could explain that by, well, so the, the, this is an example of kind of psychic phenomena that, or they're even to read their, a person's mind. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. have to be demonic, but it, it could be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's, you know, you're talking about, that the experiences like that just increasing your faith. Um, yeah, I, I talked on episode two. Uh, <laughs> well, that's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, God, good memory. Um, uh, and various other about certain. Um, it's not about the time you nearly drowned again, is it? No, no, no. <laughs> We've talked about that too many times. Um, yeah, certain experiences that I've had um, in in Mozambique and other um, African nations oh, okay. where witchcraft is yeah is. is happening yeah. um, and they're, they're cursing people and they're, they're drinking animals bloods and they're mm. doing all kind of stuff to make people better um and so it for me it was seeing someone levitate it was so did you actually see them yeah i couldn't explain it and i thought it was because it was really hot yeah um, but there were lots of other people around and how far the off thing. the ground surface was about a foot a good a good and amount did of you space. try any kind of like yeah, no, I wasn't directly involved. Did you bring out a hoop and move up and down? There were eight, eight men 
um, kind of praying for this guy. And, and, and so I kind of took myself off. I'm like, for once, I'm going to be a fly on the wall. Yeah. And kind of watch this, this going on. And yeah, I, in a way, I kind of wish I hadn't because it was, why? I, I don't, because I couldn't, I guess I couldn't, you know, although I could junkie. explain it, but I just thought, I was like, that's too mad. That's too crazy. <laughs> your but brain you, wasn't but, ready. But it, do, do you have like, you know, in, in terms of your faith, do you have kind of like a, a bank of experiences that you look back on and go, these are the things that sustain my faith? Like, is that levitation moment one of those experiences? That I, I do now. Now I look back on that and that's my bank of experience. Because then after about 20 minutes of, of prayer and stuff going on, he was quote unquote fine. And, right. and he was behaving and he seemed like a completely different man. Like when we met mm. him, it was almost like he was carrying a weight on him and he, you could almost sense like a weighty presence. Yeah. You know, when you meet some people sometimes and they just feel yes, like they're yeah. pulling life out of you. Um, yeah. it felt like that. Psychic and then all vampires, of a sudden, I've heard them described as. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I feel like now I have that bank of experience, but I yeah. think that was my first. And albeit quite a strong experience. Mm. That, I think there is a hunger for the supernatural today. And I'm sort of surprised that the church doesn't uh, play on this more, you know, because it was incredibly supernatural faith. But in, in, in many ways, churches feel like the most unsupernatural places you can be on the planet because they will often kind of deny some of these things or they'll, particularly in, in, in movies, you know, you'll see like an exorcism and the, the family will go to the church, to the church to mm. ask for help. And they'll be, they'll be kind of the most rational people in the whole film. Because the churches say, no, we need evidence, we do that. They've got good reason <laughs> to do this because they don't want to get locked up for yeah. a false exorcism. But yeah, ironically, I'm not surprised people are looking for the supernatural experiences yeah. in, in other places because there are other churches. I mean, there's a church up the road in Bedford who, like I know at the moment, they're reporting crazy stuff going on. I don't know what that's about, but people find that scary but but attractive it's it's definitely like the interest in the paranormal and the supernatural is definitely like seems to have risen over the last couple of years yeah belief in ghosts is up um, yeah over the last 10 years <laughs> it's on the uh, rise on yeah it's on the rise yeah yeah ghosts hot yeah <laughs> ghosts is so hot right now <laughs> wow. yeah but i mean i, I suppose when, talking about exorcism i'd, I'd want to really put in a kind of proviso and a caution is that it's i i it's an incredibly dangerous area and i don't mean necessarily mean in the kind of religious sense i mean i mean in the mental health sense mm -hmm. it is so easy to misdiagnose someone with mental health issues as, as having a demon and that can be incredibly damaging to a person and mm -hmm. I've, i know reports of people who've had epilepsy when they're younger and their parents have wow. tried to exercise them wow. um and the labeling that they've had or tourette syndrome or alien hand syndrome and all these other things or schizophrenia and and um so actually, I, I am incredibly, incredibly cautious. And that's yeah. why the church is cautious on these things. You can't mm. just go out and exercise someone. But there's a growing kind of wild west of indie demonologists on the scene who just go out and kind of do the biz. Uh, <laughs> um, Bob Larson is one of the most famous ones. I don't know if right. you know about him, but he'll do, he'll do you a, um, exorcism via Skype. Right. Um, okay. And his daughters, his <laughs> right. daughters, he's got these like Buffy the Vampire Slayer looking type daughters who go out and they do exorcisms and they're like teen exorcists. Um, teen yes. exorcists. Yeah. yeah. I've yeah. read about TV these guys. Show. Yeah. And, and I saw a documentary on it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I, I did too. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. yeah. And, I'm not, and I'm not saying that it's all crap. A lot of it looks like it, but it's just, <laughs> it's, it's such a, crazy area but what's interesting is um some of the people even if it's not even demonic some people actually find the prospect of being possessed by a demon more attractive than having a mental health label put on them mm -hmm. 
because, you know, if you sit down at the doctor's and the doctor says, and well, sorry, Mr. Laws, but you've got schizophrenia. If they yeah. diagnose you like that, you'll think, oh, crap, that's that's who I, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's almost like my fault. I remember when I was at school growing up and if I had a spot on my nose or something or yeah. I had acne, I'd be thinking, crap, that's my fault. Yeah. You know, yeah. I caused that. It made me feel crap about myself. But then if somebody, if, if I got an accident, somebody threw a ball on my face I can have the same blemish, but it's someone else's fault. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I go, oh, well, that's fine. That's not me. And so interestingly, with demonology and all this sort of stuff, there can be an attraction in saying, well, no, it's not a mental health issue. It's a demon. Yeah. Because that demon is separate from who I am. So I can hate the thing inside myself, but it's not me. Mm. And there's a ritual available who can get rid of it. And I'll be back to normal again. And we've talked about the stigma that people have towards like anything, mental health issues. There's oh, like a stigma. Yeah. So if there's something to blame, then it makes it so much easier. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm. There's less stigma, I think, for some people to have a demon yeah. than it is to have um, depression. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and the great thing is, like, say you can get rid of it. And once it's gone, if you're in a religious community, people can go, oh, well, I'll just accept you as who you are because that's not there anymore. Yeah. Very difficult for a person who's diagnosed as schizophrenic to say, "Oh, that's gone now," because <laughs> yeah. people yeah. think, "Oh, no, that's with you for life." So I think that that explains why there is a growth in one of the reasons why there is such a growth in um, mm. yeah. people valuing and seeking this out. And so, obviously, now you're you're very busy with with your books, um, yeah. but has that been something that's been a part of your life? Obviously, as a as a minister, um, have have you been involved in exorcisms and um, uh, or in maybe not exorcisms? We maybe wouldn't label it that way, but have you been involved in many cases where that's... I've had experiences where I've been called to places to sort of to pray for people who were experiencing some sort of oppression and even with voices and things like that. Mm. Um, but every time I've done that, I've encouraged the person to go to a GP and get checked out and I've sort of kept the door open to the rational explanation as well. Mm. Um I haven't, I haven't been called to places where I've had to do kind of a full on, you know, go around with holy water and things. I've had experiences where I've just gone to somebody's house, uh, to do something different. Like say a couple wanted to get married. And so I went around their house and I was talking to them about marriage preparation classes if they wanted to get married. Yeah. And I was just saying, Oh, well, you know, it's probably a good idea if you guys are on the same page with certain subjects like, you know, money, sex, all these sorts of things. So, you know, should we talk about that stuff before you got married? And I prayed with them that night just on just about general stuff. And then a few days later she got in touch and she said, thank you so much for praying because since you prayed, the, the figure that comes in my room, in my son's room at night to tell him bad things, it stopped since you did that. So there's things where, mm. you know, even through accident, I may have been involved in something. Um, but I've never really been called out properly. I have, I have had people who've asked right. and explained the situation and it's like, that's beyond me. And I've passed them on to other people. Right. Uh, so there are, there, I mean, there are some crazy shenanigans going on in the world at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that would be really refreshing for some of our listeners to hear, actually. And I, I wonder, I always wonder as a, as a Christian whether, um, people outside of the church are maybe thinking, are Christians maybe becoming a bit more rational? Like you said, looking for the rational side of things. So when you said that you would often advise people to go to a GP, um, I think that's only, that's only going to do good things for the church because I think yeah. historically the church has been way too cautious. I remember talking to my grandparents last year, um, and they were telling me that they remember being in church in the sixties 
um, when Jimi Hendrix was all the rage mm. and the message that many, many churches were giving out to people were, we are not having electric guitars in the church because they're yeah. demonic. Mm. And so my grandparents <laughs> now look back and in hindsight and laugh because that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but I think I wonder whether the church has fallen foul too many times, um, in just kind of maybe being a bit too cautious or yeah. a bit too ill-educated or not really thinking about things or, you know, and you can understand it if they may be looking to the Bible, mm-hmm. that's, that's what they've been doing yeah. with their lives. But, um, so I think that'd be really refreshing for people to hear that that's, yeah, that's the way you've approached. Yeah. And, and you don't want, and you don't want to kind of like, rule out the supernatural explanation um or rule it in up with without thought mm. um so you keep both doors open but you really do have to be cautious with with, with this because you're talking about people's lives here you know yeah. and then to get labeled that you've got a demon that's not just something you can and this is the scary thing like people are doing this and particularly with um there's certain churches, some African churches, obviously not all, but this, it, it's a, it, one of the reasons why it's growing is because of the different kind of, um, uh, different cultures coming into, to Britain, which is brilliant. You know, I'm all for that. Um, but on a religious level, what's interesting is they may come from countries where it's just much more natural to say, you know, if you're, if, if you're ill or if you're, you know, you've lost your job, it may be a result of a curse. Yeah. Mm. Or a witchcraft curse or a demon. And mm. so therefore the solutions will have a kind of demonic, uh, level to it, mm. you know. Uh, whereas in Britain, that, there's, there's not, that's not a normal thing no, for people no, to think. No. Um, mm. so, so yeah, it, it certainly does, does happen. Uh, but caution is required. So Tiss, um, so as well, picked up my phone. Tiss messaged us. He was like, <laughs> "If you're still talking, um, he had a question because he can't be here." Oh right. Yeah. Um, so this is a bit convoluted though because we it's kind of are you apt, having to translate? From kind this? of. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, Tiss is Tiss can be difficult. But, um, <laughs> it's all those mushrooms you got. Ah, I see. <laughs> I've been there. Right. <laughs> So uh, this is actually kind of apt because we're just talking about mental health and stuff. But are you? This is okay. Are you aware of the philosopher Eckhart Tolle and his theory on pain bodies? Pain bodies? Yeah. No, I'm right. Okay. So detail. Pain bodies are a thing that he says we have in us that we feed by giving negative energy, and it will bring us down. So you feed your pain body, and the idea is that you don't indulge in these negative things that would feed your pain body, so it just quells into nothing, and you're a positive person. That's a very sort of oh, yeah. okay. quick way to put it. He did a whole like two hour episode on it. So right. I'll right. just, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, he wondered what your opinion on Eckhart Tolle's view that horror movies are apparently designed by pain bodies for pain bodies, uh, pain bodies being the part of us that feed off negative energy and weigh us down. He would say that the horror genre should not be watched to keep a balanced mind and not feed this pain body. I disagree. Um, I think <laughs> so that why? I think that's that's an exercise in denying humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, the pain body, if it's a thing, uh, or if you wanted to call it that, is is part of who we are. Um, and I don't think we should be uh, trying to deny part of ourselves. We shouldn't learn how to control it or not allow it to spill over into real life. Mm-hmm. Um, but to try and sort of edge it out and try and keep it away, I, I think that that. That's where kind of madness lies. I know that Jung would talk about the the kind of balance between sort of the shadow self and, and and ourselves as being that that's the balance. You know, you try and find a balance between those two mm. things, but you have to accept those things and yeah. know that it's part of you. Um, 
I think what horror films do, they do feed that dark side of you, but in a way that's absolutely safe. And that's what there's good, that's what's good about them. And so there's, they, 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 they prevent us, I think, in many ways too, from exercising some of our violent tendencies mm-hmm. because we have it in a cathartic nature. And I think you see this particularly in the kind of, in video games. Yes. The argument with video games being that it's programming teenagers to turn into school shooters. But, uh, actually, you know, if you look at the lifespan of, of, of video games from the late seventies, um, to now, uh, really by now we should have an epidemic of youth crime because we've all been programmed by yeah. these video games. Mm-hmm. And you've seen the opposite. You've seen youth crime drop d- drastically. Yeah, because it's, it's kind of like an outlet for that aggression or yeah. uh, a way to relax and ebb out those feelings, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And to deny those, to, to get yes. to push this pain body away and never feed it. I I, I, I think that all you're, all you're doing is creating a ravenous monster who's yeah. hungry. Pain monster. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And who will want to feed in some way. Mm. Um, and so... I think that the key to balance is, is acknowledging both sides and just finding healthy ways of dealing with it. Mm. And I think like the, 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 I think human beings are amazing at how we have created safe environments in which to kill each other. I, I just think <laughs> this is a really clever thing. Um, and it's progress. Yeah. I think uh, the fact that you can watch a film like Saw, where someone is like graphically sawing someone's head off, right? That is progress. And I say that <laughs> because. There was a time when in ancient Rome we would all be together and going, way! And you get your cathartic nature out of seeing someone chop someone's head off in, in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't do that anymore, mm. but we're humans and we understand that we do need still to ponder death um, and to not think about death yeah. and to not think about suffering and what could happen to our bodies because we're physical beings. I think it's absolutely absurd. Well, I talked about yeah. it on the first fear episode where I yeah. said, like, I don't think it's healthy to deny any emotion. Like, we have a whole spectrum of emotions. Yeah. You can't just say, well, no, that one's a bad one. So you don't feel that emotion and take it away. It's like, okay, um, I'm not a spiritual person, but if someone is and you, you believe that the humans are created with this many features and stuff, why would we be given a feature that we're not allowed to use? Yeah. Like, yeah. is it to test us? Is it? Yeah. I think all your emotions should be given like an equal weight. You know, some of the negative emotions, they do serve a positive purpose. Yeah, of course they do. Yeah. I think when I, when we looked at this with Tis before, um, so I've been a youth pastor for five years, um, stepping down in, in the summer. I get my Fridays. Oh, hey. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're, uh, doing 20s, 30s stuff. Um, oh, but, I don't know. That's yeah, move, moving up. Is this in Milton Keynes, is it? Or, <laughs> and Aylesbury. Oh, you're Aylesbury, right? Yeah. Um, but we've, we've been, yeah, we felt for a while that is, is the right thing to do. But, um, and this is something that always comes up with, with our youth. Um, some, some parents, and I, I do get it, you know, parents are going to be cautious of their kids yeah. playing things or looking at things, whatever. I get that. Um, but some teenagers always say to us, can I watch this particular movie or, this particular genre of music or something. Mm. Um, and my answer has always been that I can't, I can't tell you what to do. And I think you, you have to find for yourself what works for you. Yeah. You know, I remember talking about violence in video games. Um, I remember playing GTA five. Yeah. Um, and, uh, there's, there's, um, a moment in the game where you're playing as Trevor and you're torturing someone. Yeah. I remember that bit well. And <laughs> playing some, of... somebody's tooth out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And to begin with, I was thinking, I was like, this is, this is interesting part of a game. Yeah. And then after a while, I caught myself 
enjoy it and I was like I'm enjoying this but just I, I think you should just enjoy it I, 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 I really enjoyed it that was, game to begin with yeah. I, it caught me off guard and yeah. then I think I just kind of thought no but I, I remember watching um, I remember watching Donnie Darko when that came out oh yeah uh, and loving it and mm-hmm. thinking this is a really great very different movie um, and then I lent it to a friend who had just become a Christian uh-huh. um, off of the back of something like nine or ten years addiction to heroin. Oh, okay. Right. Um, I, so I lent, lent it to him <laughs> and I said, um, after about a week, I said, oh, have you, did you watch it? And he said, yeah, I threw it in the bin, man. And I went, what? You <laughs> <laughs> threw my DVD in the bin. And he went, he went, yeah, you should be watching that stuff. And he says, it's just, he said, yeah. that's crazy demonic stuff going on. He said, I was watching it and it, I, he said, I just found myself going to a very dark place again. Mm. And I said, okay, so, so then give it back place. to me and say, I don't want to watch it again. <laughs> yeah. But just because for you, Saving the world it, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean it's going to be the same for everyone. And I think it's, you know, me and my wife are a classic example of this. You know, I can watch, I can watch horror movies to a point mm. and then go to bed and I'm going to be fine. My wife, her imagination is too, like, we'll watch Friends or something so, so, like, so dull yeah. and then go to bed and she'll dream about it. So she can't watch horror movies because yeah. or something like she we did yeah this happened the other night like we were watching Friends and then Ross was in her dream not about Friends just was right. in the dream just hanging out with Ross yeah Ross was her yeah friend. so I get why maybe she might not want to watch yeah. horror movies uh, but I think that's okay and and I think it's so all much. down to ourselves to self regulate you know um, yeah uh, and some people's thresholds are. are lower than others and that's i completely respect that but what i do struggle with is um is a very fundamental misunderstanding which i when i played gta 5 and i remember that exact scene and this was before i thought about this stuff in depth i felt exactly the same way i was thinking flip on heck like i'm i'm literally torturing this guy and and it's kind of fun but it feels bad yeah and especially as a christian i shouldn't do this and then later on and i've uh, particularly writing this frighteners book i just thought hang on a minute why are we equating fake violence with real violence? Mm. That's so completely not the same thing. Like it sounds obvious, but it, it, there are two completely different things. Mm-hmm. And so you think, well, hang on a minute. Did that, did that prompt you to want to go and do that <laughs> to someone for real? No. no. Did it give you a sense of enjoyment because you were doing it in a fake way? Yeah. Mm. That doesn't mean you want to do it to someone real. Mm. And the danger I think is when, you start feeding the the conspiracy theory in your head that crap. Maybe I do want to do yeah, this. Yeah, that's the problem. This is, that's and the you danger. start labeling. You have these self fulfilling prophecies, and you start labeling yourself as. And so I worry more about teenagers who play video games, who basically will will enjoy playing a video game, and then their parents or their pastors or their teachers are saying, "Why on earth do you want to yeah. shoot people? You're sick. You're yeah. sick." And the kid starts thinking, "Wow, am I?" Yeah. Or, or why is there so much blood in video games? Often it's just for a strategic reason because you could, you have to be able to tell who you've shot. You yeah. know, like you, you have to clearly be able to know which person you've shot and then you can shoot the next person. Mm. It's not all, most pe- pe- kids who play video games, they're not drawn to the gore as much as they are to the strategy, to the atmosphere, yeah. to the mm. story. Bit of blood here and there. Mm. It's no big deal. So I think it's far more dangerous actually to start labeling. Uh, kids yeah. and I talk about this in, in the book about how particularly with little kids and playing like with, with toy guns at school yeah. um, 
we're in danger of screwing kids up when we say picking up a stick and going pow pow means they're they've got problems but kids are i mean kids are getting expelled uh sorry um uh, suspended from school for doing that now really um yeah i've got cases in america where that's happening yeah it's like you're not allowed to have imagination yeah um i mean i i i read the the book the frighteners and i did i found that chapter really interesting my um my girlfriend's mum works in a primary school so I talked about it a lot with her, and she okay. pretty much came down on the same side as as you did with that right. chapter. Like, she's like, exactly, kids should have, be allowed to have like an imagination. It's yeah. you know, you don't stifle their creativity and stuff mm-hmm. just because it's you know, he's got a gun doesn't mean he's going to grow up to want a real gun and shoot everyone no. and stuff like that. So yeah, it's really interesting. But if he grows up or she grows up, the the, the kid feeling isolated yes. and um, unconnected mm-hmm. and not having any kind of really strong sort of social cohesion with their peers. That's when the danger starts. Exactly. Um, and that's when the isolation starts. You start alienating the person, yeah. they're going to feel alienated. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. along with the alienation, you feed them with another lie, which is, you know, you're only a significant person unless you're famous and you're a celebrity. Mm-hmm. And you go, well, I take my anger and I take my uh, desire for significance to be famous. I'll go and shoot somebody. That yeah. actually is a very logical way of yeah, responding. But of it's course. a great, like, it's not the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be the way. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start Rapping, because we've been going a long time. Yeah. Um, I realised. But yeah, I do want to bring up the, the Frighteners, the book. Um, yeah. I thought we'd talk about it more, but we just got <laughs> chatting about stuff. But um, I recently read it. Um, we went to uh, the book launch in Milton Keynes mm-hmm. a couple months ago. Yeah, it's nice mm-hmm. to see you there. Yeah, um, yeah and it was, it was really good. good. So I, I definitely recommend listeners to pick up a copy. Um, and basically, like each chapter is kind of a mini investigation into different genres of horror with different, uh, little experiments and ex- excursions you went on, uh, yes. which is really fun, like framing device to dig a bit deeper into these things. Um, also, there's, a- I have a bone to pick with you. <laughs> yeah, go. There's a, a chapter where you talk about, uh, vampires and vampirism. And there's uh, a section about the sanguinarians. Is that what they're called? Yeah, yeah. Right, and they like they want to drink blood. Yeah, they yeah. literally do drink yeah. blood. Yeah, uh, I found that a bit so disgusting. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's pretty. My that's editor my... found that. She said she struggled to get through that. It didn't really yeah. bother me, but she found it appalling. Oh, there's there's bits where you're talking about how they do it, and I like cut the thing, so and they, 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 they draw they blood from the vein, and then I was yeah, just like, oh, really? I was eating yeah. my breakfast reading that bit, and I was like, oh, yeah. God. <laughs> because it is such a it, it is an offensive. Sometimes when you catch yourself. Like you catch yeah. your lip or yeah. you, you get a hangnail and you sort of like, mm, you just kind of yeah. like, well, it doesn't mm. taste it doesn't It's just about them good, warming it? up in the microwave for you know a couple of seconds to get so it's yeah, nice and right. warm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that lives the life and all that. Yeah. 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 But I suppose like, because what, what I was trying to do with that book is, is literally just trying to answer the question to myself is, well, look, you know, I, I'm actually a fairly reasonably well-adjusted, nice guy. You know, I don't mm. want to hurt anyone. I hate that stuff. I get disturbed by violence. So why do I like this stuff in real life? And, and I really come to the conclusion that I am trying to deal with my own fears of, of death and suffering by taking the things that scare me and putting them into controllable ways, which yeah. we kind of talked about before. And um, I norm- I'm normally a novelist, so I normally write novels. Yes. Uh, that's my kind of main thing. Um, and in those, they're scary and they're dark. And they also... Um, are opportunities for me to take scary things, the furniture that scares me, and put them in a ways that I'm in control of. And so, to me, it, it's quite natural to do that. Yeah. And as a Christian, I, I, it's it's been a slow 
journey to come to the conclusion. But now I'd say as a Christian and people out there, if they're Christians or not, but particularly for Christians, you often are told that you are a freak. And there are a lot of lonely Christians out there who like this stuff and are feeling that there's something wrong with them. And I yeah. just want to say you are absolutely normal, human, everyday people. And this is who we are. And you don't have to kind of push away your bad self or whatever the mold yeah yeah you don't i mean don't don't if it's slipping over into actual killing people maybe it's a yeah <laughs> you've gone a bit too, too far, far. <laughs> i feel like it might it's a it feels to me like a generational thing you know when maybe, i got my yeah. tattoo my grandparents <laughs> oh really you know as you know full-blown christians been christians all their lives yeah because that was their teaching they thought you had a demon in you no no not at all and i think i was like look i got the is, there's the bible um, and, yeah, yeah. and, and, but I think because of that teaching, <laughs> but I think yeah. maybe now Christians are becoming more progressive. Well, yeah. I think Studying they are in lots more. of different ways, yeah, uh, you know, so. from, you know, like from the classics of same sex marriage and all that sort of stuff, more and more people are getting a bit more chilled out about these hot topics, which not that long ago would have been, you know, deal breakers, yeah. evolution, and illegal, know. actually. Illegal, yeah. Well, illegal, yeah, of course. 50 years ago isn't that long, really. Yeah. 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 Actually, it reminded me just, um, with the, de- you mentioned demons again, um, there was an experience when I was younger, um, which actually is the basis of my second novel. And, um, and you mentioned Donnie Darko as well, because that reminds me of that. Uh, I, and the second novel is basically about, um, it's the, the main characters are like a, a atheist ex church minister who helps the police solve religiously motivated crime. Mm. And in the second novel, he's on the trail of what looks like a serial killer, but everyone else is saying actually could actually be some sort of demonic black rabbit figure that is, that is killing people. And that was actually based on an experience when I was a teenager, when me and my friends, like we used to go on ghost hunts and we sort of hopped the fence and broke into this um, old kind of sanatorium. And we were going around there and um, I looked up and I saw this strange black, tall black rabbit standing on like a man, you know, standing on top of the, the roof and looking down at us and me and my friends ran away and it was really scary and um ran on the corner i looked back and i saw this kind of figure come out of behind the the wall and was sort of rocking from side to side like this like almost That's like horrible. a monkey or something would and it was scary right? yeah, so i went home creepy. wrote all this down and i was thrilled by it but i was scared and then later on when i became a christian I remember, um, I went into, uh, I was, I was having, I'd been a Christian for a year and I was going through some, a bit of turmoil about some emotional turmoil with some things that happened in my past. And, um, I thought, oh, I think I'll talk to the minister about it. And I spoke to the minister and he said, I think you need to come in and, and, and pray with me and this other person. And I did. And it was a very intense, I've never had this experience. It was almost, you know, like an exorcism, but it was was crazy. It was so big. And I was explaining all the different Ouija boards I'd done over my time and all these seances (laughs) and ghost hunts. And um, he said, uh, it's interesting you say that. I didn't tell him about this rabbit thing, but he says, it's interesting you say that, Peter, because when the reason I wanted to pray with you is because when you turned up at the church, when I spoke to you, I wanted to pray with you because I could see this black, tall figure standing next to you. And I thought it would be important that we prayed. So that's why I was so urgent. And I was like, okay, right. Week after that, um, I, I used to be in bands and that randomly I was singing at some weird talent show in Blackpool the weekend. And um, I was doing these crazy sort of, you know, lounge Las Vegas type stuff. <laughs> Start spreading <laughs> the news, all this sort of thing. <laughs> there was big money involved. I thought I could that's win great. a big pot of cash. And I went to the hotel room that night and... Um, I saw it. I saw it in my room, um, coming toward me. 
And uh, I don't know if it's a hallucination or what. I was fed by all of this information. Like a manifestation of your fears. A manifestation of my fears or an actual demonic presence. I don't know. Um, but I've always been fascinated by that whole, that, that scenario, mm. especially because it happened to me when I was a teenager. And then when I was in my 20s, it sort of returned. Mm. Um, and it was a cool idea anyway. So it ended up being the, the, the topic of my second novel. Mm. Um, but... But yeah, I, well, that's what I like about this subject. Yeah. You can rationalize it, but if you leave the door open to possibility, that is where the thrill lies, I think. Yeah. And if you yeah. leave the door open when you're watching a film about serial killers, it has oh, a spice better. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Better. <laughs> Intense <laughs> Okay, great. Um, so yeah, like I said, definitely recommend picking up The Frighteners. Um, and there's going to be links and stuff on the website to various things like we always put up. Yeah, any stuff you want to plug, like, go go ahead right yeah, now. Yeah, um, follow me on social media, folks, at uh, Rev Peter Laws, uh, Twitter and Instagram, um, peterlaws.co.uk. Um, my novels are out now, Purged and Unleashed. I've just submitted the third one, and they come with bizarre soundtracks too. So, um, oh, awesome. Amazing. So, yeah. Available on yeah. audio cassette for the retro people, but also <laughs> digital download as well. But yeah, um, oh, and I write a column for the 14 Times magazine, so I'm there, regular horror guy. Which is amazing. I just kept getting free pre-release horror movies. Oh, that's great. That's really good. <laughs> living the dream. Great. <laughs> if only your teenage self would have known that. It's oh, I know. Third I know. horror films. Yeah. Praise the Lord, I say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, cool. um, thanks so much for letting us talk to you. It's been really, like, really great, interesting yeah, conversation. Thank you very much. It's been yeah. great. Oh, really thanks good. for having me, guys. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just jumping in here to do a little bit of the housekeeping stuff. Um, you can go on the website weirdtalesandtheunexplainable.com. You can go on there, you can find links to um, all the social media places, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, um, you can contact us, find a blog post for every episode, including this one, with links and information to all the things we've talked about, including information on more of uh, Peter Law's books, which we definitely recommend. You can also contact us directly at unexplainableuk at mail.com. Uh, so there's a little bit more of the show left, uh, just a little bit of conversation that me, Beef and Peter had uh, towards the end of the recording session. Uh, we talk a little bit more about the Frighteners and uh, about Halloween. No, cool. No, it's a good conversation. It covered a lot. Yeah, it was really, it was really good. Really yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, really good. Thank you. Um, it's, it's such an interesting topic. I mean, you could you could talk all night. Yeah, about, yeah. <laughs> and there's a million things I could yeah, talk about. Yeah, there is. Yeah, mm. yeah. There's loads of stuff. Um, and I suppose particularly with a book like that, because there's like you know, there's, there's all like zombies, and then there's like yeah, vampire yeah. stuff, and and the werewolves. And so there's there's lots of different topics. But uh, I think we covered some good ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was really good. Yeah, it was great. But um, yeah, the book was great. I really enjoyed reading it. Mm. I loved. Um, I, like I said, I loved the like the different framing devices, like having a different chapter for each subject. Yeah, I was sort yeah. of like. Okay, once I'd read a bit about you know murderabilia, then next I'm going to read a bit about vampires, and it's like okay, it changed like yeah, yeah it's really interesting, really it's fun. Almost like to... a collection of short stories in a way. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. It felt, yeah, it felt really particularly because I I love reading, but I don't devote enough time to it. I'd mm. love to read more, so it's normally that bit before I go to bed. Yeah, so it was nice to have that bit before I go to bed. Oh, and that's good. Yeah. Get a chapter. And, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's so a good I really response. It. it comes out in America in a couple of months. Was it September? So I was going to ask you about to that. See how actually. it goes down. Um, still recording, so I can include any of this in the show. Sure. Um, but do you find with the US release, like I feel like this isn't really a topic. I just there's a real difference in the interest from like US audience and UK audience in terms of like the paranormal and stuff because it seems 
always to have been like a popular subject mm. over there. Do you know what I mean? But not so much here. Yeah, like mm. particularly Halloween. They're the very first, drawn yeah. to the spooky and the yeah, supernatural mm. in a way mm. that maybe we're not so much over there. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if that changed the way it was going to be promoted in the US. Or um, well, I think I, I think that the, the US publishers have just said that it has this subject does have broad appeal. And yeah. I had a con- conversation with them on the phone the other day, and they said. Uh, because of the Christian side of it, that will particularly be interesting to people. Yeah. And so, like in Britain, it just says Peter Laws on the cover. Mm-hmm. In America, it says Reverend Peter Laws because oh, they right, want right. to make that okay. part up. Whereas yeah. in Britain, that could e- easily put people off. So they want to kind of make that sinister minister See, yeah. type, yeah, type yeah. Um, link there. And she said, you know, well, the the, the book may not um, find itself in some sort of like mom and pop like little store yeah. in, in the mm. middle of kind of Idaho or something but she says in all like definitely it'll be on the shelves in all of the kind of the hip places you know mm-hmm. like New York LA yeah because uh, it's such, a, such an interest that's great stuff over there. yeah and people are interested in this sort of thing yeah. Um, so yeah I think that's uh, quite interesting and then the, the um, novels come out in Germany right okay at the end of this year are the novels oh. out in the US as well no, that well, they have, oh, really? they they are available in the US, but they mm-hmm. haven't got a separate deal in the US. Right, so, okay, um, slightly different setup. Yeah. So, like, yeah, the that's what I was just what made me think of like the interest in the US is yeah. so much greater. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I mean, they've got they've got such like huge diverse audiences there, but this sort of stuff just does does sell with them. Um, and yeah, I mean, they've had such a kind of a, a healthy relationship with Halloween for a long yeah. time. And um, so, like in Britain, we're just kind of getting on board with yeah. the whole scare attraction stuff. But they've had that stuff. Well, stuff they have like just... the big haunted house like events, and there's like you know yeah. you pay to get in. There's there's this many haunted houses, yeah, and they're yeah, all yeah. themed. And yeah, it definitely hasn't increased over the years. It's definitely. I mean, really, only in the last few years, Halloween's become this. It's big, a big deal, isn't event. it? It's like yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We 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 went out last year, but mainly because we were like, oh, I can't be bothered with the no- the door. <laughs> you just don't put a there's a, there's a no, you put, put the pumpkin out or not yeah, yeah. Oh, right. so we put some sweets out put the sweets and then we went to they don't come the for kids them. next door <laughs> and gave them some sweets right okay and they're like we're going out um, and then I think the year before Joel wasn't born we went to the cinema like, let's just mm. go out oh right yeah is it a horror film uh, no no, no not with Rachel no right. yeah silly question but, um, yeah yeah, yeah. Hmm. Okay, that really is the end of the episode now. So thanks again to Peter Laws. It was really interesting conversation. Really enjoyed it. I hope you did as well. Uh, there's another episode of Weird Tales coming soon. It's already been recorded. It should be up in the next few weeks. I just need to do a little bit of editing on it. It's uh, me and a guest host on a mini adventure. That's all I'll say for now. Uh, so until next time... Um, no, I'm not doing a pun. See ya.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.